Hi, this is Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Today in the second episode, I want to talk about the difference between being a child of God and being a disciple of Jesus. These two categories are really related to each other intimately, but there can be a problem when we put one before the other. Say, when we decide we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, but we don't have it clear what it means to be a child of God. You know, we see that um, discipleship, if it becomes just looking at the red letter gospels and determining all of the different commandments of Jesus and trying to practice his ministry and doing it the way he did it, you know, what would Jesus do kind of lifestyle? You know, we can easily step into a kind of legalism where we're just looking at a program and a system and trying to live that way. And that's not what authentic faith looks like. Authentic faith needs to come out of a relationship with God. And in the Gospels themselves, we see that Jesus, his relationship with God as a son was primary and core to his teachings. We see that all of the Gospels describe the birth of Jesus and the coming of Jesus as the Son of God in different ways. Like in Matthew's Gospel, you know, um, we see that the birth of Jesus happened in a particular way where Jesus's mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. And before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So in contrast to Luke, where we have this annunciation by the angel Gabriel, here it's just simpler and, and she's found to be with child, which isn't so simple, obviously. And um, But it's clear here that Jesus is um, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a religious man, a righteous man, and not wanting to displease her, planned to send her away secretly. So he was sort of a liberal. He didn't, you know, want to lay down the law and just have her stoned or something. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So once again, we have that affirmation that Jesus is the Son of God, and Jesus is the Son of God in a way that no other human can be, and so he's sometimes called the one and only Son of God. Or the, the And so here we have, once again, uh, the angel continues, She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then afterwards, he's described as being called Emmanuel, God with us. We see also um, in John's Gospel that Jesus is described as the Word that was with God, and all things were created through this Word. And uh, he was with God, and he was God. And uh, and then he's the life. In him is the life, and the life is the light of all people. And so we have this um, high view of Jesus as uh, as the Word of God, as God himself. We see that in um, Jesus's baptism, which is a core moment when his ministry is inaugurated, when he comes up out of the water after having submitted to John's baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, the heavens are torn apart and the voice of the Father says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And at that point, the spirit comes in the form of a dove and rests upon him. And with that anointing of the Spirit, he's now is able to engage in his ministry 
that is empowered by the Spirit as the Son of God. And he models that um, empowered ministry for all of us, which uh, though we we are not children of God um, in the same way that Jesus was, we are by adoption. And um, we receive the Spirit, and Jesus, full of the Spirit, begins his ministry in Nazareth, quoting Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom for the captives, liberation for the oppressed. And so in order for us to be able to step into a like ministry, we need to have that experience. And and we see that at the end of Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is commissioning his disciples in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, he says, um, you know, all authority in, in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so as you go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So discipleship begins with this baptism where our core identity is um, is really clarified. We, um, we go under the waters of baptism as the sons and daughters of, you know, of our human fathers and you know, with our DNA and our racial ethnic profiles and our national identity and, and our social class identity and, and all of those factors about that identify us, you know, the normal identity markers. And, and we, we die symbolically to all of these flesh markers. And, and then we're raised up and we receive the, the Holy Spirit upon us. And that's what, um, gives us the anointing, the authority for us to be able to do the works of Jesus. And so baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is prior to the next um, thing that disciples are to do when they make disciples, which is teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And then Jesus says, I will be with you always. So it's not just about um, us teaching people to do the, the things that Jesus has commanded. But prior to that, it's really becoming established in our identity as sons and daughters of the Father of Jesus. We see in John's Gospel that um, it's really clear in John 1. Um, I'm going to read some of this here in continuation with uh, what we already looked at, where it says that, um, you know, when, Jesus, when the Word became, came into the world, um, the Word which was light, life and light. Um, he was in the world, and though the world was was made by him, the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So we see that Jesus was, um, this is describing the coming of, of Jesus as the Word of God, as God himself, who comes in under the radar and is not um, recognized or accepted. Um, however, there is the option to receive him. And verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave, and our scriptures say often the right or the privilege, but the word here is exousia, authority. So, but as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And so this uh, authority comes through us um, believing in Jesus, um, receiving him first and foremost, and then believing in his name. And then it specifies who were born, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, 
or women, but of God. And so um, our birth, our new birth is um, necessary. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm familiar with uh, having to deal with in our jail and prison system is uh, the reality that many men and women, they've, they don't know their human fathers. Maybe they've never even met them. And, um, and there's a lot of questions about whether they were uh, intentionally conceived or whether they were just accidents. And many of them have been told, and maybe many of us have been told that we, were, that we weren't uh, planned. We weren't a planned pregnancy. And I'm convinced through looking at so many scriptures that the Judeo-Christian worldview um, states very clearly that there are no accidental human beings, that God is the giver of life. And, um, you know, but we can't know that apart from revelation. So many of us are born into families and into cultures and in situations, uh, contexts where we don't know who we are. We don't know that we are children of God. And, and maybe nobody ever tells us that, or we learn about that way later. And we are marked by just the markers um, of, uh, you know, of our social class or our national identity or our racial ethnic profile, our uh, IQ, our DNA, you know, all of these things, which if we're from an extremely poor setting or just we've suffered deprivation, then we really start out at a loss. And if we've come from wealth and privilege and and, um, and had um, all kinds of benefits, then, you know, of course, we have an easier way to go at it in the beginning, potentially. And, but according to scripture, if all we have is, it's just our birth according to the flesh, then we're going to be just suffering the consequences and the effects of, of, of all of, um, all the good and the bad of our, of our generational line and of our, you know, of our socioeconomic and in our geographical national location. And, um, and according to scripture, that's called being a child of wrath. Um, and wrath is understood as just living, um, under the consequences of, of just our, our context. And Ephesians chapter two talks about this, you know, this, what it means to be a child of wrath in a really powerful way that I want to read. And, um, anyway, so people who don't know, um, anything but just what they can, what they can ascertain based on their, you know, what their parents have told them and, and what their setting was when they grew up, often just have extremely low self-esteem and are just marked by shame, by rejection, by deprivation, poverty, or, um, or just by whatever uh, benefits and riches and, um, you know, that they had if they came from a wealthier or more privileged background. And, but anyway, Galatians and Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 states in verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked in accordance with the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So all of us were born behind enemy lines where um, the course of this world, uh, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this world is, um, you know, is in charge and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and um, were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. 
So being a child of wrath is like, it's just like living in this world, growing up in a culture and in a family with that, that is inevitably a mixture of, of, of really of, of a messed up situation. Um, because all of us have parents that are so imperfect and although they have great qualities too, hopefully, and uh, most likely. But anyway, so we suffer that and that's what it means to be a child of wrath. And we, many of us are aware that we need help. You know, we need to be rescued. And it's easier for the poor to, um, you know, to enter the kingdom of God because when you're poor and, and you've suffered deprivation or sickness or whatever, you know you are a child of wrath and you need rescuing. You need a liberator. And, um, and we see this, that that's, that's how God is described in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So we're, we're born, um, and, um, and then we are saved out of that situation that we are born into. And we're raised up with him, and, seated, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And, um, and this locatedness in the heavenly places is really the basis of our authority. You know, we're seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places. And after having died with him and being raised up with him, we, are, we ascend and we sit at the right hand of the Father. And, um, and that's what gives us, um, you know, our authority, which Jesus describes, um, you know, in John chapter 1. And I want to return now to John chapter 1. And then look briefly at John chapter 3. So in John 1, um, Jesus says, Those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives authority to become sons and daughters of God, who were born not of the will of the flesh, um, or first of all, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man and woman, but of God. So it's that divine birth, it's that being born of God that we desperately need as um, something that is the ground, the grounding that we that we we begin our life as a disciple of Jesus from, and that we continue to to have reaffirmed and and we we continually rediscover through Revelation. Nicodemus he didn't understand this though he was a leader of the Jews. A ruler, and he came by night to Jesus, um, wondering about um, how he could do so many signs, unless God had sent him. Right? Jesus um, was known for having this authority. People were astounded by the authority of his teaching and by his authority over evil spirits and over sickness. And so uh, Nicodemus comes by night to find out why. Jesus answered and said to him, and this is the famous line. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, or in Greek, uh, that word can mean uh, from above, he or she cannot see the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, and so that birth um, from above, that birth, uh, the new birth is what is necessary. And Nicodemus doesn't understand. You know, he wonders, how can a man be born when he is old, he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? I mean, Nicodemus was like a lot of people who are disciples of Jesus. 
um, though he wasn't yet a disciple of Jesus, they they want to know what do we have to do to be saved? You know, what do I have to do? What teachings do I need to follow? You know, how do I step in line behind Jesus and follow him so that I'll be saved? Often we're motivated by fear. We, we want to be on the right side of God. We want to be saved and we want to be doing what we need to be doing. And we and we can fall into that kind of performance-oriented um, Christianity, which is, um, I think, really exhausting. Jesus answers answered him, truly, truly, I say to you. So once again, for sure, for sure, I'm telling you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he or she cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so water and the Spirit. So here are we talking about baptism, um, water baptism, spirit baptism. That which is born of flesh is flesh. So that's us, all of us, right? When we're born from our, our mothers and conceived um, through our biological father, we um, are born into the world and we're, f we're flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And, um, and this is what the conversion process involves, is us moving from the flesh into the spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So, you know, this isn't something we can control. You know, this is outside of our control. The, the new birth is something that has to happen to us, just like you and I, none of us chose who was going to be our birth parents and when we were going to be born and when we were going to leave our mother's womb. You know, that was something that happened to us. Birth was, is something that happens to us. And, and so we're, we're dependent upon, upon God, a spirit of God, to uh, bring about this new birth. The, the part that we can play is, you know, those who receive the word that is the life and the light, um, that is God himself, those who receive uh, the word and believe in his name, the name of Jesus. Um, we, um, are, we, we, we are given authority to become children of God. And, um, and so Jesus says, um, the spirit blows where it wills, and we hear the sound of it, but we do not know where it comes from or where it is going. And so is everyone who is born of the spirit. And um, when you look at the life of Jesus, and, and he is the master who is calling disciples and calls you, calls me to follow him. And, um, you know, and he says, follow me to the fishermen and I will make you become fishers of people. That journey of following is, is, does involve us learning the teachings of Jesus and studying the you know, the teachings of Jesus and, and reading about his, his uh, life and his, uh, and his rejection by the authorities, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, you know, his, um, his ascension. We, you know, we reflect on uh, the writings of Paul and of the, the other um, epistles. And, you know, we learn and we study and we are called to study. And that should inform our minds and lead to the transformation of our minds so being a disciple is does involve that, but it um, it involves even more foundationally a relationship um, between ourselves and the Father, which um, we have through Jesus. You know, um, no one um, comes to the Father except through me, by me, says Jesus. And Jesus himself, as a core teaching 
of um, to his disciples, he says, you know, I don't do my own will, but I only do the will of the one who sent me. So um, when we look at being a disciple, let's remember um, that it's, it's really critical that we first step into our true God-given identity. And this requires coming to know God and being reconciled uh, with God through faith. And um, this happens through receiving Jesus and, and becoming a disciple. And, and then we step into this relationship with God that, um, where we become sons and daughters of the Father. And um, it's really beautiful to, uh, to see the, the many, many scriptures, you know, that talk about how we, we as well, um, you know, are, are, are called sons and daughters of God. So Romans 8, 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. And, um, and the, the creation itself is groaning, waiting for the revelation of the sons and the daughters of God. So um, stepping into empowerment and uh, stepping into our authority and becoming disciples of Jesus um, is essential for um, the whole liberation of, of the liberation movement that Jesus calls us into. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So um, it's, um, it, this is something that we're, you know, that we want to step into, we want to lean into, we want to learn about. And um, one more scripture is uh, John three thirty six. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. But the one who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So once again, that idea of the wrath, you know, we don't really come out from under the wrath unless we are in this relationship with, with God and, and in this relationship with, you know, the one and only Son of God who brings us to the Father, but who also uh, calls us and, and does tell us, you know, what, you know, what life looks like as, as someone who submitted to, to, to him, to Jesus and to the Father. And it's in that relationship of submission as a disciple that we experience our true identity um, and, and freedom and just uh, fulfillment because our destiny, um, you know, our identity, our very identity is hidden in Christ. So let's, let's pray. So thank you, Jesus, that you show us um, as the Son of God what it looks like to be in relationship with your Father and that you reveal to us the way to the Father. You are the way to the Father, and we ask that you would lead us to the Father, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us and guide us so that we can really experience the freedom of being sons and daughters of the Father. And we ask, Father in heaven, that you would, um, you would just, you would put your spirit of adoption into us and, and that, so that we could cry out, Abba, and experience um, that relationship of, of peace and joy through, that comes through radical dependency. And we ask you, Jesus, that we would understand what it means to follow you in the day-to-day -day as your disciples. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.